0: Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to the Home Mods Monday podcast. My name is Dan Elliott, Occupational Therapist, Certified Living in Place Professional, and Director of Partnerships at Jukebox Health. If you haven't checked out our introductory podcast episode just highlighting what Jukebox is and what this podcast is all about, feel free to give it a listen It's about 10 minutes. Basically, what Jukebox Health is, we are a full-service home modification provider. We have clinicians that we send into the home. We develop this really nice report based on our assessment, based on our findings within the home. We make recommendations, review it with the family. uh, And then we also have a national installer network as well. So what typically is quite a fragmented and piecemeal process, We've now created this turnkey, really seamless solution that we hope takes away a lot of the stress on not only healthcare providers, clinicians, and caregivers, um, but also the clients that we serve themselves. So that's just a little primer about Jukebox. You can visit our website, jukeboxhealth.com, to to learn more about that. But what I want to talk about today is how to deal with common objections our patients and clients are going to have about home modifications. And this is something that since I've been an OT, I've always dealt with and I've always experienced. And the reality is that it's not even about just the home modifications. It can be about the occupational therapy or the exercises or the activities you want to do, or the goals you want to set. The people that we work with are often in a position where they don't feel like they're themselves, or they're in a position where um, they're having to feel like they're, they're giving in, in a way. So whether it's home modifications or goal setting or trying to do an ADL, it's something that I know I've experienced. A lot of my colleagues have experienced as well when, when working with patients and clients. But a home modification specifically, it, it can kind of go a little bit beyond that because you're trying to address a change to their actual home. And this is a place where they have a really strong connection to. They might be, have lived there for 30, 40, or even 50 years. They, that might have been the home that they grew up in. So they have a lot of bond memories. They've made a lot of connections. They've grown a family there. They lived their whole life there. And now some clinician is coming in and telling them that, oh, you're not, you're not safe. You're going to fall. Uh, so we're going to change all of these things in the home, right? And obviously, that's, that's not the approach that, that we would normally take. But that might be how they're perceiving it. So not only are you telling them that they're likely to fall, which they may be listening to, right? Maybe something has happened and they understand that. And that might be new for them. And on top of it, you're saying, well, we're also going to have to change your home as well. So from the perspective of the client or the patient, I mean, I understand why they might be hesitant or have some objections about home modifications. I'm going to start with some really interesting statistics around aging in place or what we call thriving in place. Um, And in an AARP study, they found that only 6% of housing is suitable for aging in place. So there's 94% of the other houses out there that people are living in. And we know there's a lot of people over 50, over 75 living in homes, apartments, condos, co-ops, 94% of those dwellings are not suitable for them to live there. Uh, which is probably why you see so many assisted livings popping up. I live here on Long Island, and we have something called the Long Island Expressway. And there's probably an assisted living facility at every mile marker. Um, so this is the reality. Uh, however, we know that 90% of these people, they they want to stay home, right? There's there's nothing wrong with assisted living facilities. But a lot of these people, their first choice would de- would be to stay home. But their homes are just not set up for that. In that study, they also uh, found, they asked people basically what they thought they would need to do to their home in order to stay there. Interestingly, 79% say they would need to modify their bathroom with grab bars or no step showers. 71% said that their home has inside and outside accessibility issues. 61% said they would need an emergency response system. said they would need smart home devices, like a voice activated home assistant or a doorbell camera, which I find that really interesting um, that smart technology was part of this study, just because I think there's so many new products out there. And we'll save this for another podcast on how to stay up to date on all of the different home modifications and equipment and technology and things like that. But I just think that's so cool that they're highlighting smart technology and also up to 50% of people are starting to recognize that, Hey, this smart technology can really upgrade my home and my, my lifestyle. The other interesting thing that they highlighted was 80% of respondents own their own home. However, Despite owning your own home, it doesn't mean that you have all of this liquid availability of money to be spending on something like home modifications. Uh, Despite the fact that us as clinicians, we really advocate for cost-effective modifications, that's another thing we can certainly talk about. So with that said, a lot of adults who are retired, they're on a fixed income. So they're in this position where they can't afford to change things in their home. Otherwise, they have to sell their home to afford something else. So they're in this weird position where stay home, but don't make changes or sell my home so that I have capital basically to move into an assisted living, which is actually really expensive and probably will exceed the value of the home or, or downsize. And going back to what I said about that specific home that a person is living in, them being so connected to it, you know, that defeats the purpose anyway. Right. The reality is that many old, older adults, they're not thriving in place and, and they're not really even aging in place, they're stuck in place. Um, so you basically have the landscape looks like this, right? You have a lack of safe housing, but you have older adults who understand what they need to do to make their home suitable, right? From that ARP study, all those people who said they would modify their homes, but we're still experiencing objections, right? When we're in people's homes and we're recommending things. So why is that, right? And that's what we're going to, or what I'm going to discuss today is the five common objections that we see at Jukebox Health to home modifications. That in and of itself is really interesting. We are a home modification company. So people are, you know, people, whether it's the caregiver, the client themselves, or other providers and clinicians are bringing us in and the client is already primed, right? That we're coming in to make some home modification recommendations, yet we still see uh, objections. So the five common objections that that we see are, are this. Number one is I don't need that yet. Number two is it's too expensive. Number three, it'll make me feel old. Four, it's gonna look ugly. And five, I'm not gonna be around too long anyway. So I'm going to talk a little bit about each of these and how we might address them or think about them. Uh, If you have any questions about this topic, feel free to submit your questions. Where you could submit that is going to be in the show notes um, and your comments too. We would love to hear anything that's worked or approaches that you've taken that have really helped um, let people understand what they might want to think about doing. To age in place and not in a reactive sense, hopefully in a, in a preventative sense as well. So the first one, I don't need that yet. I was working with this 90 year old gentleman who was otherwise really healthy. He had not that many chronic health conditions, some arthritis and some balance issues while he was doing some of his ADLs. And he didn't have any grab bars in his shower. He had a tub. He had to step over. He was grabbing onto the sink or the faucet. And I said, Hey, you should think about you know, getting some grab bars. You can even do a tub cut. It looks really natural, seamless. Maybe we'll put down like an adhesive bath mat. It blends right in. It's white, just like your your tub, you're, you're but ba- you'll barely notice it. And he said, eh, I'll wait, you know, maybe in five, 10 years, which honestly, I absolutely love that answer. I love the optimism and that he was like, I'm going to live to a hundred and I'm going to be just fine until then, which is awesome. Love that mindset. But at the same time, We really want to get people in the mindset of of being preventative so that in your later years, you don't have to worry about having a fall, going to the hospital, going through rehab, all of these other things that come with falls and, and other medical events, you could say. So how do you address that? Somebody who says, I really don't need that yet. And I think the approach that we've taken is that when making recommendations, they they shouldn't even be viewed as modifications, solutions or anything like that, because what that is, it's a problem oriented approach. You're, you're telling somebody that they have a problem and that you already have a solution to that problem. And they might not even have realized the problem that they have. So you're already two steps ahead of them and they're kind of just putting it by the wayside saying, you know what? I, I really don't need that yet because honestly, they might not even be convinced that they have an issue right? Especially if we're promoting something preventative. So instead of the reactionary model, which is home modifications are great for that as well, but we really want to promote a preventative model. Instead, we need to really phrase this as promoting lifestyle enhancement. Instead of home modifications, it should be home upgrades, or what I really like is saying future-proofing your home right? This client is thinking about the future. He's not thinking about a problem that he has. He's thinking about the future. He's saying in five, 10 years, I'm going to be healthy. I'm going to be doing what I'm doing. I'm still going to be at home. So let's attach ourselves to that and say, Hey, let's future proof your home. So that in those five, 10 years, you're set. Let's make sure that we're addressing this now so that in the future, you don't have to worry about it. And that's something that has really resonated with people. Sometimes that's not the whole picture. They might say, I don't need that yet. And then you're moving on to other objections as well. So the next one, for example, is it's too expensive. And this is one that as home modifications, as a field grows, we're also seeing a lot of new products, materials, and solutions built by manufacturers that are going to be at different price points, which is really great. So it's really up to us as clinicians and OTs to not only explore all possible options for funding, but to also offer multiple options at different price points. So raising the toilet, I use this example all the time. You can have a toilet seat riser, which is going to be really cost effective, or you can replace the toilet completely with a 17 to seventeen to 19 inch high toilet. That's going to be more expensive, that second option might look a little better, but if the person can really only afford the toilet seat riser, then that's what they're going to have to do. Let's say they have congestive heart failure and associated lower extremity weakness. They're going to need that problem to be resolved and money should not be in the way. The other thing we should be doing is working with our community resources, our care managers, our office on aging for possible funding solutions. Care managers and case managers are absolutely amazing at this. There's a lot of funding out there, and this is definitely a topic that I'll be talking more about in a future podcast. But for example, in New York State, they are doing a Medicaid redesign program where they're actually going to be covering up to $45,000 in modifications in order to prevent Medicaid beneficiaries from going into nursing homes. So instead of Medicaid and the state spending all that money on a nursing home in New York state, they're going to spend $45,000 on making sure that person's home is future-proof, which is amazing. And the more that we create demand as clinicians and advocate for our clients and patients, the more that this process is going to become more seamless, getting funding through New York state Medicaid for those beneficiaries. Because I could tell you right now, it's not the most seamless uh, process. We've got it done. We've gotten it done before, but it's not that easy. With that said, we got to keep advocating for insurance companies and even healthcare policy makers to start realizing that home modifications is a preventative way to save on healthcare spending. A lot of you listeners might know about the capable study at a Johns Hopkins. They found that there's $10,000 in healthcare savings. This is amazing. At the end of the day, a lot of these institutions, they have value-based initiatives They're fully capitated. What that means basically is they get paid based on their performance. The better they take care of a patient and the more efficiently, the the more money that the hospital is going to make and be able to continue to run. So we really have to talk to the insurance companies directly and advocate for the insurance companies to the insurance companies, case managers and say, hey, listen, this is a really good opportunity for your beneficiary to lower their healthcare costs, which means that it's lowering the insurance company's healthcare costs. So that's my rant about healthcare policy. I know the common objection that we're sticking to is it's too expensive. I think the overall arching theme is provide a lot of different solutions and explore funding options. Uh, Do everything you can for your your client. The next common objection that we've seen is it's going to make me feel old right? Imagine you're speaking with somebody who maybe they were just diagnosed with Parkinson's, they're super functional, they barely have any deficits, or they're barely showing any symptoms of Parkinson's. And you go in, you start the evaluation. As an OT, maybe you're going to do some LSVT, something like that. And you recommend some grab bars, or you recommend some motion sensor lighting or a bed rail or whatever it may be that they might be showing a little bit of difficulty in. And sometimes they'll say, it's going to make me feel old. There's a lot of stigma around grab bars, commodes, other durable medical equipment. I think the reason for that is because the people we're now working with, they cared for loved ones as well. And they saw what that was like to have the bedside commode, to be drilling in those ugly aluminum grab bars. You know, they just, there's a stigma to these these different products. Despite there actually being some really interesting research that Older adults over 75 are more likely to utilize a grab bar than somebody under 75. The solution, or rather, the conversation to have is find out why they think that way. What is the vulnerability that they're feeling in in feeling old? And what what is their perception of these modifications? Because what this means is that if the person says it will make me feel old, they're tying the external environmental change to their intrinsic feelings. So what you really want to do is separate that, right? We're not doing these just for you and you are not the issue. It's your home that's not set up right for you. So putting in in that perspective, externalizing it and saying, hey, let's upgrade the home so that it works for you, not the other way around. And that's going to make the person feel like, again, they're future-proofing their home. We understand this gentleman with Parkinson's. Unfortunately, you've been diagnosed with Parkinson's, but let's do something to make sure that you have control over your future so that in 10, 20, 30 years, you don't feel old. You continue to do all of the things that you love to do, no matter your age. The next common objection that we see is it's going to look ugly. Honestly, when I hear this, this is sort of, I guess, my favorite objection, if, if I had any of them, only because at Jukebox Health, we have thousands of products that we can recommend and variations of those products. And I will say back to what I said about the manufacturers coming out with different product solutions and technology, it is starting to look so seamless and so good right now. Even a grab bar, you can blend completely into the environment. You can put a shower shelf in that holds your shampoo, conditioner, your soap. You can put it at the level of a grab bar and it's grab bar grade as well. There are these incognito grab bars that make the bathroom or shower not even look like there's a grab bar in there. So what you really want to do is you want to show them all of these different cool products. You want to show them these things. You want the safety piece should be a given after they've sort of said, hey, yeah, okay, I need something to make my bathroom or my home more safe. Picking out a grab bar or picking out a a product should feel like they're picking out new tile. People get excited about that. They say, oh, this is a new fixture. This is a new thing. It's going to upgrade my home. That's what it should be like. They should pick out the color and the style and what they want it to do. And that's how you get them into thinking about the aesthetics of a safe home, which the reality is if you look at a, a modern shower, right, it has no barrier. It's curbless. There might be the, the glass door. There might be incognito grab bars, and it's going to look really good. So you want to show them that and give them the peace of mind that, hey, you have control over the modifications that you do. It's my job to tell you which ones I think you may need, but you can have control over how you want it to look. And that's going to empower them to say, you know what, it's not going to look ugly because I get to choose what that looks like. And it starts with having really good knowledge about the different products that are out there. And I'm going to give a shameless uh, Jukebox Health plug, but the Jukebox Health website now has an entire product catalog on there. So you can look through all the different product types and colors and variations and things like that. So If you're with somebody who thinks that home modifications are ugly, feel free to show them the jukebox health website. So that's, that's my shameless plug. The last objection that we uh, get and probably the the most, I guess, unfortunate one is when people say I won't be around too long anyway. The reality is that people in their eighties and nineties, they might have an outlook on life and say, you know, I've got five, five years or 10 years or something like that. And, You know, we really want to, you know, our goal is OTs and AOTA does a great job at positioning this is we want our clients and patients to live life to the fullest, no matter what point they are in their lifespan. Talking to them and and saying, you know, what do you want to do? You know, acknowledge that they believe that they're not going to be around too long and then start to discuss with them, well, what do you want to do in this time still? like the time you have the time you have with family is really precious and really nothing should stop you from living your best life at any age so something like a fall or going to the hospital or having to increase the amount of care that you're getting that can be a really big burden you know obviously not just on the families but on the client themselves as well they feel like they're a burden they don't get to spend as much time with family we saw this during covid a lot more depression a lot more isolation. And this is leading to really low, po- lo- really low quality of life for our older adults. And we want to reverse that. We want home modifications to promote the best life that somebody could live, allowing them to do everything in their home that they want, allowing them to engage with the community very seamlessly and easily. And we want them to be able to do that for their entire life, whether it's one more month, or it's 50 more years. To be honest with you, in in our later years, I'd argue our later years are the most important time to think about yourself and your happiness, right? You have built this beautiful life and so much family, and those are the people you want to be around and, and spend time with. Maybe you've ingrained yourself in the community as well. You're going to be revered in the community as somebody who has, I guess, seen it all in that community, right? You're going to know a lot of the people there. So you know you want to continue to live like that and engage with as many as people as possible because at the end of the day that is really what is the most important. So again, those are some of the conversations based on the common objections that we see to modifying your home. Again, the big ones is I don't need that yet, it's too expensive, it makes you feel old, it's going to look ugly, or it won't be a, I won't be around too long anyway. So hopefully the advice or discussion that I just had really helps you think about ways to talk to your patients, clients, and loved ones about what they can do in the home. Again, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or anything like that, the way to get a hold of me and the rest of our Jukebox Health team is going to be posted in the show notes. All right. So that's all for today. Thank you so much for listening, and you'll hear me on the next podcast. Bye everyone.